Thank you. Uh, we feel the same way and more. Some of you may be so new that you haven't met these people. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Um, it's our privilege as deacons to uh, honor Pastor Ted and Sue today. Um, first, just in case some of you don't know, he is, we have made them pastors emeritus. That means that there's a stipend. They get paid some for their service. We can invite them back anytime we want. And uh, I think they'll come. And Pastor Zach and Shelley are delighted uh, to know them. They, they learned to know them some time ago in the Mideast. And that's where they met. Just a word from the board. Uh, a year ago, we had no idea where we would be today. As a body, as a church, and as individuals. God's done a marvelous work. Um, today we want to thank Pastor Ted for his 17 plus years and Sue. And uh, then we'll also welcome Pastor Zach and Shelley. Um, we'll let that take its place. Uh, each of these have a gift for the, the uh, brusting. <laughs> how can I do that? She said, how about ladies first? <laughs> I can't beat that. Isn't it ladies first? Sue, get up here in the light. Come on. Come on, girlfriend. Thank you. <laughs> this is from um, all of us here at, at Connection Point Church, some of the ladies who have good taste in such things. Um, go ahead. You can open it real quick there. Here, I'll hold that. This is so that you know that you are eternally imprinted in our hearts, and we know that we are eternally imprinted in yours. And we will cherish you. And every time you look at that, I hope you, I know you will I love, it. love us. I love you deeply. And it's a beautiful silver bracelet. And it has the connection point symbol on the little charm. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. Thank you. One day last fall, Pastor Ted was preaching from his favorite Bible, and he dropped it, and it basically exploded. <laughs> and we got, we got lots of suggestions about one way that we could honor Pastor Ted. And uh, so shortly after that, under mysterious circumstances, his Bible disappeared. And I'm still trying to tote up the number of... Uh, commandments that we've broken in doing so but he thought I packed that and he was in his office unpacking boxes one day looking for that bible because he said my preaching bible my preaching bible I have all my notes in it it's got all kinds of notes I've put in there through 45 years <laughs> anyways it was funny and I was trying to say well um keep looking you know, keep looking it'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll show up you're forgiving <laughs> Thank you. I really, my wife really appreciates that. It is eaten at her. Um, I was trying to figure out. Let's let's get up into the light so we can see each other. Uh, I was trying to figure out what words to use to present this to you, but it's already your Bible. Uh, so, on on behalf of the uh, the board and the congregation of Connection Point Church, I would like to return to you. 
your Bible, rebound, recovered, and ready for the next 100,000 miles of ministry. We also have uh, some scrapbooks that have been put together by uh, many hours of, of many folks. It's got a, a paraphrase of 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3 on the front of it, and I'd like to read that to you. It says, The families of CPC are your letter. You have written the gospel on our hearts to be known and read by everybody. We show that we are a letter from Christ, the result of your ministry, Ted and Sue, written not in ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of our hearts. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, friends. Uh, I want to just take a moment now that we all stand, and we're going to pray for Ted and Sue together. 17 years in one place is a long time, but it's a short time. And uh, it happens so fast. I can hardly put, put the memories. It's just there, and it, it's so short. So let's pray together as we bless this wonderful couple. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you uh, sent us your servants, Pastor Ted and Sue, for these 17 plus years. And for the ministry that they've given, time they've given, the efforts they gave and are still giving in prayer and fellowship for this body which is part of a global ministry that you have in mind for this church. Your church is a global church. And it's not just here in West Lafayette. It's not just here in Indiana. It's not just here in the United States. It's all around the world. And we are so glad that Ted and Sue understood that principle and had built this foundation upon which we stand today called Jesus Christ our Lord. We ask your special blessing upon them and thank you for bringing them to us today and many times in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. We, uh, we count it a privilege to be a part of this church. You may be seated, friends. It's been an honor to serve. It's uh, exciting to come back and see and hear all the good things happening. We are thrilled because any pastor who loves their church, when they leave, they want nothing but the best for the church in the years to come after we're gone. And so we are thrilled, and thank you for thinking about us. God bless you for that, and uh, we are so thankful for the chance to come back and just visit with you for a little bit here. Uh, this is not about us today, though. This is a special day for our pastors. I say our pastors because he's my pastor now, too. Zach and Shelley are a remarkable couple. And today is a day that we have chosen to have a, an installation service. And that means it's, this, it's already official, yes, but this is a ceremony that's symbolic of the spiritual exchange of leadership. Leadership from the previous pastor to the new pastor. 
And I count it a privilege to be invited back for this service. Thank you so much for that. And we have today some wonderful folks with us who are uh, going to be leading the service. And that's Don and Diane Gifford. Don is the superintendent of the Assemblies of God here in this district. He's been doing that uh, position for almost 12 years now, right, Don? 12 years and two months. <clears throat> and how many days and hours and minutes? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's not, it's, sometimes it's a very thankless task. Having worked with superintendents in the past along with Don, uh, he deals with so many issues and, and things. And this is, this is a wonderful, pleasant day for him, I can assure you. To be a part of this kind of a service is always a highlight. But he has to deal with all kinds of things in this world. And so you might be praying for district leadership. They need our prayer support a lot. And uh, we've got great leaders here. Uh, they have a heart for the Lord. They love the Lord of their hearts. They have a heart to reach the world. They have a heart for pastors. They have true servant hearts. And for that, we've been very grateful. And I've had the privilege to work alongside Don for a number of years now. Uh, having worked on the uh, Credentials Committee and also being a presbyter for this area. And uh, I can say that uh, you'll not find people with a greater desire to serve God than this couple right here. Wonderful people, great servants of the Lord. And I want to just share one scripture before I have Don come up and, and proceed with the service. A scripture that is probably his life scripture, his desire. Uh, I think as we reach... He's not as old as I am by any means, but as you reach a certain age in life as a minister, you begin to see things a little differently. You see that, you look back, you see the past, you see the things God has done, you see the challenges, the growth, you've seen all the, the, all the wonderful things that God has provided for you, but then you begin to look ahead to the finish line. You begin to say, I want to finish strong. I want to do my best all the way to the line. And beyond. I want to give it my all. And I like that. The scripture he has based this is probably one of his favorite scriptures is Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And I love this verse as well. It says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. That's a noble, noble goal, isn't it? to finish the task God's given to us, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And Don, it's a privilege to have you with us today to lead in this special, special service. God bless you. Come on up, please. Love you, Ted. Love you very much. Amen. Bless you. The New King James Version says, Finish with joy. And that's where we're headed today. What an honor to be here today. And this is one of those occasions that's much more thrilling than uh, some occasions that we get to deal with. We won't ever have to deal with bad situations with your new pastor just like we didn't with your old pastor because he's not going to sin. <laughs> right? Well, we're going to do the best we can, aren't we? So, thank the Lord. I'd like to... Uh, before I would forget, uh, Zach's parents are here. Would you folks stand? Where are you at? Right here. And Shelly's parents are here. <clears throat> Welcome today. You did a good job. 
thumbs up to you. Um, we want to thank this host church. We have for the last two years had our ministers conference here on Mondays and Tuesdays in October. And uh, this staff at this church and folks in this church have been so kind to us and welcoming and we thank you very much for it. I want to give a word uh, not only to the board but especially to Leon. Uh, Leon, you've already been up here on the platform, but Leon and I talked, uh, I don't know, once a week, sometimes twice a week, and he was always out doing something in a distance, uh, and I I told him this morning, I'm so glad I don't have to talk to you anymore, (laughs) in a positive vein. Of course, I will take any call he ever makes, uh, but what a pleasure to work with this board during this transition and we, we affirm with all of our heart that you have chosen the will of God, affirmed his will for this congregation. We're privileged to be with Pastor Zach and Shelley just a few days ago at the new pastor's welcome at the office. These folks are uh, they're young, educated, full of the Holy Ghost, have a touch for the Middle East, have a touch for Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Ramallah, involved with Sudan and Dick Brogdon and the Live Dead Project. He's even an algebra teacher. Good gracious. What a guy at such a young age. But they carry the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord. And when service started, it was just maybe halfway into the first song. How many know what it is when the wind blows in church? I felt that just blow right through me, and it just kind of raised my skin a little bit. I want the presence of the Lord. And this is what I thought. I I leaned over to Shelly, and I said, this is the word I sense, even this very moment, explosion, dunamis, right here in West Lafayette. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah! Wow, so awesome. Many of you have spoke to me um, concerning my latest physical challenge. Uh, Today, I didn't even know many of you even knew about it. Uh, I went to bed January the 5th, about 11 o'clock at night. I've had some lower back pain, and I said to my wife, uh, take your thumb and dig real hard into the right side of my back. It's it's a little bit stiff, and I rolled over, and when I woke up, I saw all these people in my bedroom, and I thought, this is a private place. You people should not be in here. <clears throat> Pastor David Delp was there, and Pastor Dan and Laura were there. Uh, two of our children were there, and their mates, and, uh, and uh, one of our friends was there. And then I began to recognize this room is bigger than my bedroom. I'm in the hospital. I wonder why I'm here. I have no recollection. It was several days before my wife could bring herself to tell me and describe to me what happened. My neighbor lady came over when she saw the ambulance and the fire truck came to our house and she said, I spoke to you when they were carrying you out and you didn't even speak to me. I looked in your eyes and you weren't home. So this last week uh, we were, Diane was cooking meatloaf and she put a little, she forgot to put a tray under the meatloaf. She went off to L.A. to exercise. I went to the park to run. And when she came home, there was uh, some smoke in the oven. Some grease had spilled out because there was no catch pan there. And so when you opened the door, the house filled with smoke. 
set off the alarm. The fire truck came immediately. And evidently the fireman uh, has been doing this a while. When, he, when I opened the door, he said, uh, is your wife cooking? <laughs> With a big smile on his face. Then he said, do I need to go get you a pizza? And I said, no, the meatloaf is fine. It's just the grease. And so he left. And then pretty soon, big bang on the door. This is my neighbor lady. You know, every neighborhood has a lady who knows stuff. And she's banging. Did I say that out loud? And somebody taped it and is going to send it to her on Facebook. I'm not going to tell you which neighbor it was. She banged on the door. And I went to the door. And she said, oh, thank God you're on your feet. Because she had seen the fire truck come to my house again, thinking they were going to haul me away. So thank you for your prayers. Uh, Though we have no recollection of what happened to us, we are doing better. And my medication has been cut down to a third of what it was. I'm still on restrictions. My wife is driving me around Indiana, driving me to Branson, Missouri, driving me all over. And she's been doing that since January the 5th. And I want to tell you that I'm getting to be better at being a passenger. I'm not totally sanctified, but I'm getting better. The first few weeks, I would have done well to get some duct tape. Because I've never been a driven man before. And I don't want to be, and she doesn't want to be, because she can't drive the speed limit I want, she doesn't park where I want, she doesn't turn where I want. It's a disaster. (laughs) This morning on the way here, she turned the, the wrong way, and she said, oh! And I was about to say something, and I caught myself, and she said, you've done that before. Yeah, so thank you for your prayers. Um, Pastor, I'd like to ask you to come if you would. Uh, We're going to have you up on the platform a couple times. And um, I want to read to you, since we're giving out Bibles today, uh, we have a a fire Bible, a global Bible. I don't know if you have one of these or not. Um, They used to give them in real leather, NIV, and the NIV changed the translation and life publishers wouldn't let them put their notes in it. So we have to give them like this. So this is a man's Bible, no frills, all right? You're a big guy, so you can take a man's Bible. Um, We're honored to join with you and the congregation of West Lafayette Connection Point to officially install you as a new pastor. May the Lord speak a fresh word into your heart during times of prayer and study in your sacred place. May he lead you to shepherd the flock entrusted to your care. May you and Shelley together love and serve this church family and community. Welcome to Indiana. And I want to speak to you in just a moment. It says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. And I'm not as elder as Pastor Ted, but I'm more elder than you by a long shot. <laughs> I'm 63 and a half for those of you who are calculating I was waiting for somebody to gasp and say, oh my, you look so young, I gave you a chance. (laughs) I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, 
not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The instruction book. Most men try to go places and build things without reading the directions. <laughs> we can't do that in the ministry. We are totally dependent on this book and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, Zach. Love you. Bless you. <clears throat> I don't know what time this service normally gets out, but you can forget it today. The Lord spoke to me uh, in the last couple years to change what we were doing in these special consecration services, and it was in my basement, kind of in the corner where I study, and uh, the Lord gave me a word for pastors, the Lord gave me a word for board members and leaders, elders in the congregation, and also for the congregation. We're not going to speak all of those words, but I do want to spend some time talking to your pastor in front of you. And we're going to have a conversation together. It's going to be one-sided right now. It's going to be me. And we're going to let you listen today because the Lord has a word for our shepherds. When I first came to the district office, and we were 26 years in one community, and uh, Pastor Ted, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the church will always appreciate and love you, but they'll go on. And they'll go faster, and they'll go farther, and they'll be better. And we'll get our feelings hurt because they don't miss us as much as we thought maybe they would after a time. But you're well-loved and well-appreciated. And uh, I was never a pastor emeritus. I think they were afraid of that for me since I still lived in Indiana and only an hour away from them. But the Lord spoke to me that you need to put shepherd back into the name pastor. Because a lot of people don't understand what shepherd is, and it's not a model we know much about in Indiana, because we don't have many shepherds in Indiana, do we? But it is a biblical model that we learn about from the Scripture. We're not the good shepherd. We're not the uh, perfect shepherd. We are under shepherds, under the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're willing to lay down our life for our sheep. First Peter 5.2 also tells us that we are servants. I had a young pastor call me and he was brand new to his church and uh, he was first time that he had ever given leadership to a church and he had not uh, he had been serving on a board of a church, but he had never been senior pastor or associate pastor. And after he went to that church for a few weeks, he called me on the phone and he said, Pastor Don, how much authority do I have in this church? Well, I knew he had met her and him already. <clears throat> they all have names. They have different faces, but they're everywhere. And uh, I know, because I go everywhere on every Sunday, and I knew he'd met those people. How much authority do I have? And the answer I gave him was not one that I think he was looking for. I said, you have none. And he got real quiet. I said, you know, you're not. And this is a district-affiliated church, so the congregation had ratified his coming, but I had appointed him. And I said, what, you're, what you are is a servant. You're called to wash feet. And if you wash enough people's feet over time, it won't be long till they will yield to you. They will call you out of affection, pastor. 
And they will want you to give leadership to them because we are called to serve. Isn't it what Jesus did when he took a towel about himself and he got a basin of water and he knelt down to wash feet? That's what we're called to do. So we are called to be shepherds. We are called to be servants. We are called to be content and not greedy in 1 Peter 5 too. We, we learn contentment. The Bible says we are to be content in whatever state we live in, and that includes Indiana. Contentment is the opposite of living your life on credit, which gets a lot of people in trouble. And can I say a word not only to us ministers here today, but to all of this congregation, we need to learn contentment and not live our life on credit. And we need to get out of debt so we can do more for the kingdom of God. And also, we need to get out of debt because someday we'll retire and we wish we'd been more content earlier so we'd have more money at the end. Pastor Ted said to me, I've, we work to save up. I didn't save up as much as I wanted to. So when do we start? We start right now. I'm in a coaching relationship with a first-time pastor in one of our churches here in Indiana, and I gave him a task. How much money will you have to live on when you reach age 70? And he called me back. He had almost went through a heart attack when he went through that exercise. But we're called to be people who live in contentment. We're not bullies, 1 Peter 5, 3. We don't lord it over those entrusted to us. We have been elected. We are shepherds. We are pastors. We are not sheriffs. I went to a church to do a consecration service, and the pastor of that church was also the sheriff in his town. And I thought, wow, how am I going to handle this one? We're stewards, knowing that one day we will give an account. We are, in 1 Peter 5, 5, submissive to authority, giving honor to those who are your, your elders. How many know that honor brings the favor and the presence of God? 1 Peter 5, 5, and 6, we are people who walk in humility. 1 Peter 5, 7, we've learned to cast our cares on Jesus. 5.8, we're learned to be self-controlled and alert because we know the enemy. The number one target in West Lafayette right now has become the Maddox family. Because if the enemy can take you out, he affects me. He affects those who were before you. He affects the board of this church. He affects this church. He affects this community. He affects this campus of Purdue University. Just so you'll know, my son graduated from IU, School of Music, but this week I rooted for Purdue. It may never happen again, but it happened this week. Self-controlled. We're called to be bold as lions, but to be meek, controlled strength. We're called in Acts 20, 20, and that's an interesting passage in Acts 20. If you read Acts 20... And you see what Paul says to the elders of Ephesus, 
about down about verse 17 when he calls the elders together after he's been there about two and a half years. You will mirror the words that Peter has to the elders in 1 Peter 5 are the same that Paul had there. And uh, one of our elders in our church uh, in the Assemblies of God is Bob Roden. Maybe you've met him, former superintendent of the Potomac District. He wrote a book, Four Faces of Leadership. But in these two passages of Scripture, there are six faces of leadership that we learn in our life. And one of the things is we don't hesitate to preach the whole gospel. We do it from house to house, and we do it publicly. I want to say to Pastor, and I trust that the board will help him, that he would honor his Sabbaths. And that he would take his vacations. And that he would go on spiritual retreat a couple times a year so he can hear from God. He may not believe this, but I used to be his age. (laughs) Three kids. Serving in lots of areas besides pastor of the church. I was not good about Sabbath. You have three children, correct? The oldest is, and the youngest is. My children were just a shade older than you when this happened. It was a Friday night, and uh, I'd said to my wife and to the kids, tonight is going to be family night, just us, nobody else. And I lived in a parsonage. I lived across the street from the church. So, I mean, like I was never away from you people. remember the night my wife got healed. It had an automobile wreck in 1991. She couldn't walk and she couldn't lift her legs up. She could not sit up. I carted her around on her reclining wheelchair. And I remember the first night she stood on both of her legs and the first time she took steps across the family room. We'd been at that church for about 14 years when that happened. Man, we didn't have a worship team, but we were shouting. We were making some noise. It was make a loud noise to the Lord. It was awesome. And I thought, tomorrow is Sunday. This was late Saturday night. I'm going to get Diane up, and we're going to have revival when she walks across that platform. And then all of a sudden, this ornery thing came on me. You know what it is? I thought, I've been here 14 years. And a soul in this church waited till Sunday to tell me anything. They call me in the middle of the night, every night of the week. They send me all over this county. They call me to the house. You got to get here. They're going to die in an hour. I thought, you don't know that. You don't hold the keys. Our marriage has been falling apart for 20 years. But you got to come tonight. You got to get here tonight. They just roll me out of the bed. Oh, and I got the. And this is back in the days of Rolodex. I got out my Rolodex on Saturday night and I began to flip through it and I began to call all those parishioners and I'd say, get out of the bed. God's healing my wife tonight. How dare you be sleeping? It was so awesome to teach them the biblical principle. You reap what you sow. (laughs) It was the most fun thing I ever did at that church. It was a Friday night. I said, tonight, what was the problem with tonight? Because it was unusual. It wasn't regular. Phone rang. Parishioner and my son, teenage son, glared at me. Hung up. I said, I'm sorry. No longer hung up and then someone else called. 
said, my neighbor's dad is dying. Got unhooked the ventilator, signed the death certificate. They have no priest, they have no preacher, they have no one. Come. Only time that I ever heard my kids say anything negative about their mom and dad being in the ministry is I walked out of the door to the head of the hospital be with people that I didn't know because one of our parishioners had asked me to come. Not wanting to go, but I did. My son said to me, I'll never be in the ministry because you can never do what you want to do. Now the problem wasn't that dad responded to a Friday night emergency. The problem was if dad had a, had a regular Sabbath with his family like he was supposed to, that wouldn't have been a big deal. My fault. Those words haunted me. I went to the hospital, I led the son whose neighbor had called me to the hospital to the Lord. He was married to a gal from South America from the country of Chile. That boy got saved, they unhooked the ventilator, got ready to sign the death certificate, and I buried that man 15 years later. Closest I've ever come to seeing a resurrection from the dead. He did not die. Everybody knew he was gone, but he lived. He was a tavern owner. His son was a nightclub owner. The boy got saved that night. The dad, several weeks later, got out of the hospital, gave his heart to the Lord. Then the wife of the boy who got saved gave her heart to Jesus. Her family came from South America, from the country of Chile, to our church, spoke only Spanish, but the mom felt the presence of God. She gave her heart to Jesus. Her name is Sarah. They went home, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you can't send that new convert home. She's got to have a pastor. Aren't you glad to be in the assemblies of God? Listen, it's a wonderful family. All I had to do is pick up the phone, call Springfield and said, who is our missionary in South America close to this community? And I got a hold of Jim Mazurik, first time I'd ever talked to him. And he knew the pastor in that little bitty farm community in South America in San Vicente, Tagua, Tagua. And he called that pastor who rode his bike over to that house and led the dad to Jesus. And they're a part of his church today, all because of a Friday night interruption. But still those words, I'll never be in the ministry. Later, that boy who got saved that night uh, took my son and I out to a private place to go fishing. As we were riding in the car, and I had not said anything to him, he said to my son, he said, Nathan, do you love your dad? He said, yeah, I love my dad. You know, he probably wanted to say, well, sometimes I love my dad, but... He said, you know, I love my dad too, and one time I needed your dad to help my dad, and he came, and I just am so grateful that you shared your dad with me that night. Wow. Healing. And I remember the night that that boy called me from Indiana University out of the School of Music, and he said, Dad, God's called me to be a worship pastor in a local church. Well, I had known it for a long time. But can I say something to you, Pastor? Your kids... Your wife, your kids are priority over this. If you model that, it will bleed over into your church. They have to be first. And your wife's the queen of your house because those kids, believe me, let me tell you, they leave you. I know. They left me. Now, this thing of emptiness, can I say something about it? It's kind of, you know, it's kind of in and out. It's not, temp it's not permanent because... Two of them have come back and lived for six months with less, with more people than they left with. But the same amount of money. 
Yes, listen, you're, you're, you're with me, aren't you? You're with me. And they come back and they stay. And, and my father-in-law died. And then my mother-in-law lived with me for six months. She stood up on a Wednesday night and she said to the congregation, thank you for loving me these last five months. And I stood and said, excuse me, it's been six. (laughs) I lost a lot of weight that next week. (laughs) Take your time for your bride, for your kids. Don't let ministry take that from you. It's the most important gift and ministry you have in your life. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask Pastor Ted to come and share, and then Diane has some things she wants to say to Shelly. And I know you're thinking, well, we're almost done. Well, we're not. Here we go. I get the privilege of passing the baton. And I want to just talk about Paul and his experience as a leader knew it was getting close to the end of his ministry. And he put it in a, I think, a really wonderful way, the way he worded it. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Sue and I have knew for about, oh, for almost a whole year. I told Sue about a year before we retired that I was getting to the end of my ability to continue to give it all I had. I was having some struggles physically. I was having some struggles emotionally. I was just under the load and tired, and, and I just knew it was getting to the point I needed to, but I wanted to finish strong. My goal was always to finish strong, not to slack off, not to slow down, not to just kind of drift along, but I wanted to finish well. And so we set a date, told the deacons, told the church, and uh, then prayed a lot for God to bring the right person that we could pass leadership to. Paul understood that. Paul assigned this new task of the church at Ephesus. He gave it to Timothy. And so Timothy, he was saying, I have fought my fight, a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Now, I tried to be careful not to be preachy here, but I want to just share a, th- a few thoughts I did some research on a baton. I used to, when I was, believe it or not, when I was younger in high school, I did run in relay races. I did run back in those days. And uh, it was one of those things that, I also learned how to use this iPad too, if you can bear with me for a minute. All right, here we go. From all that I could read and from my experience in high school was that the baton exchange was probably the most critical part of the race. When you're in a race, a relay race, you give it all you've got from start to finish. You don't let up. You keep running hard. You want to be exhausted at the end. You want to 
finish your part of it and not have any slack or slowness at all. You want it to go full speed all the way, especially in the sprints. And you want to pass off that baton, and you want to actually find yourself totally spent. You would step off into the side and just be gasping for air. Am I right? For those that run races, you understand this. You've given your all. You've spent it all. And you know you gave the baton to somebody who will carry it and give it their all. That's a wonderful feeling. It's critical to the success of the team, that baton exchange. Timing is everything. Timing is critical. Being able to time the exchange. You have what's called the go mark. (laughs) The go mark is a mark set by the runner. He puts usually about a half of a uh, tennis ball or some kind of a piece of tape at a spot where he knows uh, that the runner is going to hit that spot, and at that spot you take off. The go mark is when you go. That's when you accelerate, you give it your all, you don't slow down, you give it, you start off fast, you keep going, and you reach back knowing that that runner will be there to hand the baton to you. You don't even look back. You don't have to because you look at the go mark. You saw the runner hit the go mark, and you take off. You don't look back anymore. You just hold your hand back there. And you wait for the baton to be exchanged, for somebody to put that in your hand, and you grab it, and you take off. The timing is everything. As I said, soon I realized it was time. We knew that this was that point in time that we need to make the exchange. Deacons were praying. We were praying. The church began to pray. Things began to, resumes were coming in, and you know the story. God brought a wonderful couple our way to preach a mission service. After the service, one of the deacons said to me, boy, it'd be nice to have somebody like them. Do you think they'd have an interest? Do you think they'd be open to coming to be our pastors? I said, I have no idea. I never crossed my mind. Actually, didn't until I thought, what a great idea, though. This is awesome. And so we process began. Let me just share with you the responsibility of the runner. It's called the incoming runner. That's me. I'm, as I'm approaching the end of my run. I'm the incoming runner. You're the outgoing runner, okay? The outgoing runner is the one ready to receive Watching his go mark, when I hit the mark, he takes off. He's got his hand back there, and I've got to keep running full speed to reach him just in time because the, the exchange zone is limited. You have a very small space, and you've got to have the exchange done before he gets out of the exchange zone. If he does, we're disqualified. The race is over. We lost. I had a limited amount of time to get that into your hand. You had a limited amount of time to take it and run with all the speed you could get and go. My job was to not slow down, not let up until the baton is in your hand. And that was my goal. Don't let up. Keep pushing hard. Keep pushing through the feelings, the sickness, all the things that were holding me back. I did not let that hold me back. I kept pushing through until I got it into your hands. It was my job to speak up. The guy, the incoming guy, which is me, has to say, 
As I hand the baton to him, he's not looking back. He's got a feel for it. I've got, he's got to trust me to lay it in his hands. And I have to say, coming, or, or spike, or whatever. Stick. Stick is one that sometimes I use the word stick. Stick. I'll say stick. That means I'm right there about to give it to you. Make sure your hands are ready to receive it. And even after I hand the baton off, I have to keep running. You keep running, you keep reaching, and you keep placing the baton in the open hand. So, Zach, if you'll come up. His job as the outgoing runner, <laughs> he's now started his leg. The goal mark was when I said, I'm going. And he said, yes to the deacons, I'm coming. We knew the date of my exit. We knew the last Sunday I'd be here. And it was so awesome that he could be here the next Sunday. I, I've never heard of a transition that's gone more smoothly than this one. This is remarkable, friends. This had to be a God thing. just doesn't happen like this. So as I'm handing off, now here's, here's the outgoing runner's responsibility. Watch the goal mark, and you did. He was aware of it. He made arrangements in his schedule to make sure that there was no space between, that there would be a, a chance to step right in and, and pick up right there and not drop the baton. I, I, I admire that. I commend him for that. Thank you, Zach. That was wonderful. A fast takeoff. The outgoing runner has to be, he has to take off fast. And he doesn't look back. You don't look back. You look ahead to the future. You're looking ahead with your hands back, knowing that the baton's about to be exchanged. When I pass a baton to you, from my right hand to your left, that's how they did it. Turn around, I'll pass it. I'll say, as I'm running, you don't look back. You've already, no, 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 no. You've already seen the go mark. You're running full speed right now. And I'm full speed coming to you. And I'll say stick. When I say stick. When he feels the baton in his hand, he grasps it. He grasps it firmly. He makes has a firm grip on that baton. And then he flies. Fly, brother, fly. Fly. Love you. Love you. Okay. You can tell she's the first lady. She already knows how to do the mic. I welcome you to Indiana, to the Indiana district. And I remember Pastor Don already made mention of when we came to our church. Um, I had an 18-month-old, and I was pregnant. And... Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of expectations of the, of the pastor's wife. One thing I know is you're not Sue. You're Shelly. And Zach is not Ted. My husband is not Charles Crank. God gives each one of us our own spiritual gifts and abilities. 
and he has brought you and your husband here to lead in maybe ways that is different than what have happened before. But this is a new day. This is a new thing. And God has chosen you to come. And he he is going to take all the gifts that both of you have and is going to make this the place that it needs to be and for you to be the woman of God that he wants you to be. But in all of the stuff that you do at the church, just like he told Zach, he needs to have his time. You need to have your time too. And so um, it's always God's will to have chocolate. <laughs> and, and then to maybe an occasional spa and Starbucks. So I just want you to know that we love you and we're very glad that you're here. And you do all the pastor's wife stuff and along with all the great staff that you have, but you take care of yourself too, okay? We love you. Thank you. And I want you to know that I know you have lots of support from all the staff here. They're great women. Um, but if ever, if ever, there's just something that you need to vent or you need to just say, I don't get this or whatever, I'm there for you. I'm in your corner always, okay? Bless you. Oh, there you go. <laughs>
Who was it? Those guys, the kites, some of the kite family. The Amalekites. You're the first person who's ever got it halfway right. Yes, that's awesome, isn't it? I didn't know it was the Amalekites, but it's significant who they were fighting. And God revealed himself as, I am the Lord, your banner. It was the name of God. I am the Lord, your banner. And he makes a prophetic word. He says to them, I will make war with Amalek from generation to generation. So Joshua is winning the, val- the, batty- the battle in the valley when? When his hands are up. So Leon and uh, Cliff come behind Pastor and just gently hold up his elbows. Just gently. Don't grip him. Don't grip him. Just loosely, loosely. Now, Zach's a big boy, so he could break loose from us. But if you begin to get a hold of him like this and restrict him, that's different. We're not restricting him. We're upholding him. That's a prophetic word of God to our churches and our leadership teams. And then that word that I will make war with Amalek from generation to generation. Why is that important? We uphold the leadership's hands. You say, what if the leadership gets out of hand? That's what I'm for. It doesn't mean we agree about everything, but we honor the gifts Jesus gave to this church. He gave apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And he's given a gift to this church. So our task as leaders and, and to the spot is to uphold their arms, not, not restrict them. Now, let me show, show you what the Lord spoke to me that morning. 1 Samuel chapter 30, David is going to battle and he gets sent home. He takes his mighty men. That's significant. And uh, when David comes back to Ziglag, the Bible says that all of their stuff and their wives and their children have been taken. Who took them? The Amalekites. Again, I had no idea that's who they were. I never put those together. I didn't read it in a book. I didn't hear anybody preach it. God was just giving me divine revelation about this, what we're talking about right now. It was the Amalekites who took them. Now, are you sure you want to be the leader? Because David's mighty men talked about stoning him. <laughs> now, look at If you got guys who are on your board who can sling a stone right-handed or left-handed and hit you square between the eyes and take you out, So this is kind of humorous to me. The Bible says, David inquired of the Lord. Of course he did. He's about to get stoned. I would inquire of the Lord too. And and then they met this Egyptian slave that had been left behind and got instructions. And they were able to run down the Amalekites who were dancing and singing and jumping up and down about all the plunder they had taken and all the people they had taken. And the Bible says that David recovered all of his stuff but more importantly, he recovered his, their wives and their kids. Now, how many in this room, you have unsaved family members that the enemy has taken? Can I see your hands? This is what I believe prophetically the Lord spoke to me to speak this to Indiana. When we get this relationship right, when we get this relationship right, When we love God and we love one another 
and we act maturely and we're men and women of God and we love one another. That spills out to this whole congregation and that spills out from this congregation to this whole community and to this whole region to where pretty soon people are going to say, I heard some sounds coming out of West Lafayette Connection Point Church and it wasn't bickering, it wasn't fighting, it wasn't anger, it was sounds from heaven. We heard some noises. We showed up to find out what's going on at that church. And I want to believe and I want to prophesy as we walk in unity together as a family of God that we can declare the prophetic word. I will make war with Amalek from generation to generation. And we call our kids home. We call our unsafe family members home. We get them back from the enemy and all of our stuff. Somebody shout to the Lord this morning. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm tired of churches running our kids because they bicker at one another. I don't want to lose one more kid to one more church fight. I walked into a business meeting and I said, before we start this meeting, I want to meet with all the leaders privately. And I begged them and I pleaded them, don't do this. Don't do this. And I said to them, how many of you have kids? And they raised their hands. And I said, don't do this to your kids. Let's get this worked out behind closed doors. And they didn't listen. Blew that church apart. I was at a funeral and I couldn't take my wife home before the business meeting, so she was with me. She said if it was the Old Testament, concrete would have parted and people would have went to hell because of the vicious things they said and did in front of their kids. The good side of that story is a few years later, we had a guest come to Indiana to minister's conference. It was John Kilpatrick, as a matter of fact, who it was. And when he preached, that board member came to me he said, Pastor Don, do you know who I am? I called him by name. I said, you've been in our school of ministry. I know who you are. He said, do you know who I really am? I said, what are you trying to say to me? He said, I'm the guy who you begged me not to lead that meeting. I'm the guy who headed up that meeting when we ran off the preacher and split our church down the middle. I didn't remember he was the guy. I probably wouldn't have been as nice to him over the years if I'd have known. <laughs> I didn't remember he was the guy. He said, I've already said to the previous pastor, and I say to you, I'm sorry. And God brought a healing to that congregation and to that church. God showed me prophetically from his word if we'll support one another, if we'll stand together. I don't know, Diane, who did you give those prayer cards to, to somebody to hand out? In the theater area, there is a prayer card. If you want to talk about your pastor, there's a prayer card to tell you how to do it and talk to God about it because he's the one who changes us and how do you pray and uplift your leaders. And would you just stretch your right hands toward this platform right now? Everybody, would you stand with me just for a moment? Father, we pray the favor of the Lord. 
We pray the favor of the Lord. Sue, I want you to come up here. I want you to lay hands on Shelly. I want you to lay hands on her right now. So we lay hands on Pastor. I pray springs of living water to flow from her innermost being. Mm. I pray for an empowerment to come beyond what he's ever known. Lord, I pray you'll use his hand as he lays it on sick people that they'll be well. That he lays it on people who've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost that they'll be filled. We pray for the favor of God over this household and these three wonderful children over this leadership team. Lord, I sense your word explosion coming to West Lafayette. We're going to build on what's already here and we're going to go higher and further and faster than we've ever went before. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, let the wind blow in this house, I pray. Let the favor of God swirl in our innermost being. Bring unity in this house, we pray. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our worship team has come, and you can begin to play softly in the background. And we just want our leaders to stay here just for a moment. I just want to say just a couple of words to our congregation today here. God has called us to be faithful stewards of all of our time and our talents. He's called us to pray, especially for our leadership. He's called us to walk in obedience. The Message Bible says, appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave you the Word of God. I have watched this church honor the breast. I know you're going to honor the Maddox family. It's right. It's right. Respect them. I want to I read this verse. It's from a modern translation. One of the greatest gifts you can give Pastor Zach and Shelley is to get along with each other. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Live in peace with each other. Get along together. Don't get on each other's nerves. Don't snap at people. Look for the best in each other. And always do the best to bring it out. That's our job. That's a gift you can give to your pastor to be at peace with one another. The Bible says in Matthew, someone gave a word earlier about, uh, Shelley did about, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus gave a message about that, chapter 5 through 7, recorded in Matthew. This is how you live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. One of the things he said in chapter 5 is, blessed are the peacemakers. Isn't that different than peace lovers? Peacemakers, they're going to be called the children of God. The congregation I went to, I was the third pastor in 14 months. And uh, they'd been through some stuff. Not a lot of people left. They had more kids in the bus ministry than they had people in the church. My superintendent, I know he loved me, but he said to me, I hope you make it done. Because if you don't, we're probably going to close that church. <laughs> well, I was 25. I was the smartest preacher in the Assemblies of God then. <laughs> How in the world would it not succeed with such a smart, smart guy like me? I'm just telling you the truth. Now I'm 63, and I wonder, what happened to all that stuff I used to know? I don't know anything. But I have learned this. Psalm 56, this one thing I know, God is for me. So we had two banks of pews. And uh, I, 
I just got there. They voted. I never forget. They voted 21 people, 18 yes and three no. They never told me who the three were who voted against me. But over the next few weeks, I might have met them. So I'm 25 and I'm brand new and I'm walking down the center aisle and this little lady short of stature with a finger about 12 foot long. She goes to every church. I've met her everywhere. She has a different name, but she's the same person. She stuck her finger out. She could have been at the back of the church and touched my nose with her finger. She said to me, Preacher, there's some things you need to know about this church. And inside, I said to the Lord, Help! I never read about this lady in Pastoral Theology 101. They didn't tell me about this lady. I have no idea what to do. I said, Help! The Holy Spirit whispered to me. And I did what the Spirit said. I looked at her and I said, Ma'am, don't please since that happened the Holy Spirit Lord spoke to me and said if we had more of this in our church we'd get more of I'm interested in more of the breath of God man I can feel it right now so it's past lunch time I don't know when the pastor will invite me back to speak but it'll probably be long enough you won't remember how long I was and you'll still come so we need some physical exercise to get ready for lunch so let's practice everybody take your right finger together oh and they're going to say oh I'm just giving you a prayer request and then you're going to go and then for the people who are really stubborn and they just keep right on talking even though you're telling them so let's practice this rub your hands together cup them like this and put them over your ears That might be the most spiritual lesson you've ever received in this church. Just before we give an altar call, when Pastor Zach calls prayer meeting because what you do is a spiritual exercise. You need to be the first people there and the last people who leave. I don't get it when preachers say to me, none of my deacons or elders come to prayer. I don't get it. I don't get why the pastor hadn't fired them. It's a spiritual exercise. It's not a human intellect exercise. We need to be people who pray and spend time with God. Amen? I'd like for heads to be bowed and eyes to be closed for just a moment. 
The service today is called a consecration service. But it's not just about the pastor and the leadership of the church and the staff and the board, but it's about all of us. As we search our life to see if there's anything there that needs to be corrected. John, when he was older, wrote these words, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He also said, if we say we have no sin or no sin nature, the truth is not in us, and we make him a liar. But listen what he says in 1 John. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pastor Zach, we don't practice sin, but if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I'll never forget the Sunday morning that the, that the Holy Spirit said to me, when you finish preaching, you'll be the first to go to the altar. And I remember saying it, stepping off the platform with no one to lead, turned and faced the platform and just stood there by myself. Before that service was over, there were three waves of people who were moving to the altar to get their life right with God. I remember after I sensed, you know, I didn't have my eyes open, but I sensed that first wave and things had kind of toned down and I started toward the platform and an invisible arm reached out like this and pushed me back. And so I stood and then I sensed another wave and it subsided and I started, you know, you have a preacher wants to be in charge. So I started the platform and I felt that arm again and another wave of people and finally the Holy Spirit said to me I'm trying to do something today but I'm having a hard time getting you out of the way wow I want him to be in charge heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you're in this service today and you need to reconsecrate yourself you have unconfessed sin in your life that you need to acknowledge the Lord Jesus and you need forgiveness. Would you just slip up your hand real quick, real high, say, I need forgiveness. Put them up real high, several hands going up all over the building and every section to the front, to the back. Say, I need forgiveness out of the balcony. I need forgiveness. I have unconfessed sin in my life, things that need to be made right with God. I want to consecrate myself to Him brand new today. Hands all over the place. You may put your hand down. If you didn't respond the first time, but you know you should have, if you've raised your hand once, you don't need to do it again. But if you didn't respond the first time and you should have, there's a knocking going on at your heart and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Today, you need to get some things right with God. Would you just put up your hands real quick? You didn't the first time, but you know you should have. Put them up real high. Put them up real high. Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I'd like for everybody to look this direction, if you would. We're approaching quickly the... Easter season, Good Friday, Palm Sunday, the crucifixion. Because so many movies have been produced about Christ and his resurrection, many of you have seen how they portray Jesus hanging in a humiliating fashion, unashamed of me and you. So Jesus' words are clear, recorded by Matthew. If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father.
if you meant business and you're not ashamed of Jesus, way up in the balcony, in the back of this sanctuary, in every section, come and meet me right here quickly. Come on, we're not ashamed of Jesus. Come and stand right here across the front. Just begin to move out. I pray for a release of the Holy Spirit that every time Pastor Zach gives altar calls, that we won't be hesitant to come to the altar when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We will be obedient to the Spirit of the Lord. Coming out of the balcony, people are coming, so we're waiting for you. This is a day of consecration, not just for the new pastor and his family, not just consecration for Pastor Ted and Sue or Don and Diane or the board, but for, for all of us as a church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what's going to happen this morning? We're going to get these vessels emptied of stuff that they don't know, doesn't need to be there so it can be full of the Holy Ghost so we can be a part of the explosion that God wants to give to this church. We're getting that stuff out of us so we'll have room to have more of Him. I'm going to ask you to do several things. We'll begin with a prayer, but I'm going to ask you to be accountable. Some of you need accountability partners. All of you need to be in a discipleship group. Some of you need to be baptized in water. All of us need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Continuously and always. So we began this process with a prayer of confession. Would you pray with me out loud? Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly stretched out your hands and you bore nails to cancel the debt of my sin. I confess, I admit, I need your forgiveness. Now I'm going to pause just for a moment. Tell the Lord why you're at the altar. I know he knows, but would you just tell him Whatever it is that's brought you forward, would you just privately tell him right now? Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's continue to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my confession, for forgiving my sin. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Be Lord. Be in charge in my spirit, in my soul, in my mind, in my body, in Jesus' name. Take control. Today, today, I'm free from sin's penalty. I'm free to say yes to righteousness and no to temptation in Jesus' name. Could we just lift up our hands all across this building and Bless the Lord out loud. We say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word that changes us from the inside out. Bless the Lord. We walk out of this place different than we came in. We walk out of this place lighter. Lord, all that stuff that's pressed us down is coming off. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And today we find rest for our soul. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. We are more than thrilled to have this wonderful family in Indiana leading this great church. And we acknowledge and we believe with all of our heart, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit has brought this family to this community. God bless you, Pastor. Whatever you want to say, love you. I'm just going to close this in prayer, but praise God. As we see lives change here today, may that just be what is normal. We come that we can be changed to go out to do the same. Let me close us in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for what you've done here today. We thank you for Ted and Sue for their years of service. We honor them. Lord, we stand on the shoulders of incredible people looking out to the future before us and see great things. And God, we just pray as was spoken here today. We pray for power. We pray for your spirit. God, we follow your leading. Jesus, may we all have your mind for this church, for this place, for this community, and its imprint upon the world. God, we just pray that as we leave from this place, that as you go with us, as we take you from here, Lord, that that lives will be changed not only in this room, but in all the lives that we get to touch along as we go in our week. God, we pray that you would continue to bless Ted and Sue. We thank you that they can be a part of what we're doing, even from afar, and may they come visit us often. And God, we pray that you would bless those who have come here this morning that want to see their lives changed and dedicated to you and your purpose. We pray that you give them the strength to do it and do it well. We pray, Father, your hand upon each and every one of our lives. We thank you for your spirit, King Jesus. We thank you that you baptize us with your spirit. And God, may we honor the Spirit in the way that we live. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Go with God this morning.